This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Cover 2 Podcast. This is Dan Kadar from the Beacon Journal. Of course, I'm joined as always by Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich. Nate, how's it going? Good, Dan. How are you? Well, other than my shoddy intro just now, uh, I'm great. We, We are coming off what some people are calling the best NFL game of the season. Of course, we're talking about the Browns 47 to 42 loss on Monday night football to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I think normally that kind of loss will be dubbed as heartbreaking when you, when you lose in that fashion. But to me, Nate, it is an all time classic NFL game before we kind of get to some of the news that's happening with the Browns this week and look ahead to Sunday night's game against the New York Giants, was the Monday night game the the most entertaining or best game you've ever covered while you've been on the Browns beat? Well, that's 11 seasons. A lot of it was really bad football. Yes. Um, yes. So, yeah, I don't, I haven't, ranked them in my head but it's got to be right up there I mean I I covered you know when they Brian Hoyer was a starting quarterback they had that historic comeback in Tennessee in in Nashville one year against the Titans so that's got to be up there um you know there's been some overtime games but I mean this one this one you know on Monday Night Football with you know both teams uh being what they are record-wise and everything, and and just the theatrics of Lamar Jackson missing part of the fourth quarter with the um, treatment for cramps in the locker room and coming back in the game after McSorley's hurt and on fourth and five, completing that that touchdown pass that he did, and Justin Tucker being the elite weapon he is, making a 55-yard game-winning field goal on the dog pound end of the stadium, which we know – as regular uh, observers observers of the Browns, how difficult it is for kickers on that end of the stadium in Cleveland. So, yeah, I mean, this thing, it kind of had it all. And John Harbaugh, you know, in that NFL Films clip uh, that's been passed a- along by NFL Films on social media, he called it one of the greatest games in history when he shook Kevin Stefanski's hand. So I think there's certainly uh, an argument for it got to be the one of the best I've ever covered if not the best and I asked Stefanski about Harbaugh's take on that and he didn't go along with it um <laughs> he kind of smiled <laughs> and he said coach Harbaugh obviously was on the winning side there so I think he probably felt differently about it right then and there but he's a good man I appreciate him as a person we're moving on so I think if you win you, you're more likely to call it one of the greatest games in NFL history and I think that's what Stefanski's point was yeah, and as an impartial observer, or as much as I try to be here in the suburbs of Akron, um, 
I, I tend to agree with, with Harbaugh. Just a phenomenal game. Um, and a lot of fun. And there was a lot of stuff in it that just got, got lost by all the theatrics you mentioned. I mean, the Browns had a fumbling issue at the start of the game. Or, you know, or Nick Chubb kind of had a down game. Or, you know, all, all that's being overshadowed by the theatrics and the fun and the Browns giving up 47 points, which is obviously not good. I mean, any anytime you can score 42, the expectation should be a, a win and a good win. The Browns gave up 47 points in that one, Nate. It's hard to pinpoint, you know, what what exactly the issues are on the Browns' defense because this game was more they just couldn't stop Lamar Jackson running and the Ravens passing to Mark Andrews, a very good tight end. Other games, it's been other things with the defense. For the defense, is it is it purely a talent problem? Is it purely a issue of the teams that are going up against are just at this stage still better than the Browns? What, what is troubling the Browns' defense in your estimation? I know we've gone over this before, but it, it really stuck out to me on Monday night. Well, you know, I'm not ready to pile on Joe Woods. Like, I think he's come up with some good game plans. I thought the five defensive linemen in, in Nashville worked really well, and slowing Derrick Henry and all that. Yep. And it was just a funky second half, right? I know that... <laughs> The tight ends scored a bunch. They, you know, it ends up being closer than it ever should have, partly because of a, you know, Baker Mayfield fumbled snap on a quarterback sneak. There's some weird things happen when you're ahead by that much in the NFL, or at least they can happen, and they've happened this season of the Browns, you know, against the Cowboys and the Titans. Uh, I, I'm going more with personnel. I just think that, you know, the secondary is full of backups who are starting right now, and the linebackers although they've played better lately and I think exceeded some expectations, those expectations were really low from the outset. So I just think that, you know, that's where the focus has to be in the off season, uh, that the areas we've talked about all along now, you know, Denzel Ward's return to practice today. So, you know, if he can come back against the giants, that's going to be a big boost. You know, Browns will get their, their best secondary player back, their second best defender overall back. He's, you know, he's, that's what he is. He's a big time player for them. Only Miles Garrett's a, a more valuable player to the defense. So, you know, that'd be huge, you know, and, and Ronnie Harrison, there's been no word of him coming back, uh, you know, right around the corner or anything. It, it's, it's still a ways off. So, you know, th- those injuries have really hurt him. Uh, Greedy Williams is not playing at all this season. I mean, it's supposed to be Greedy and Denzel. So you don't have your starting corners. And then in your safety situation has been screwed up all year because Grant Delpit got hurt in training camp and he was, he was, you know, plan a, you trade for Harrison as a result of that injury. And then, you know, he's been hurt. So you, you don't have your starting corners. You don't have your starting safeties. Some of that, like I said, will be alleviated when Ward comes back, but I don't know. I, I got to think Denzel Ward makes a difference in that, in that Baltimore game. I, I don't know if the Browns win it, but you know, I, I think there's some plays to be made, and um, you know, I think he's going to be able to help, and, and and Ronnie Harrison also. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. 
Mark Andrews yeah. killed him. Lamar Jackson kills a lot of people. Um, but when you know, he averaged thirteen point eight yards a carry. Uh, <laughs> I just it, it, he he's the personification of a video game. I just there's just no yeah. way around it. So part of it is them playing the reigning MVP who presents problems no one else does. Part of it is the the weaknesses we've talked about all along uh, and exacerbated by injuries that we're talking about now and have been talking about. Well, one of the things that kind of stuck out to me, one of the plays was when Lamar ran for the touchdown. It wasn't very long. They were in the red zone. I can't remember at what point in the game it was, but Miles Garrett was on the bench and Porter Gustin, my, my guy, was on the field and he was like a step behind Lamar the whole play and Lamar just got to the end zone and scored. In my head, I, I'm just thinking, God, I, I know Miles Garrett can can chase him down in that short area and stop him. Um, so that, that one was weird to me. But I'm glad you brought up the safeties because now you have Andrew Sandejo who, look, he's gotten ripped all year. He's gotten beat all year a lot in coverage. But he has had, to me, I think he's had some moments here and there the last few weeks. Uh, but now he has a concussion. Yeah. If he's out, what what do you foresee as being the, the plan at safety for the Browns when they're already down so many bodies at that spot? I think it'll be Sheldrick Redwine starting. Now, they did claim Tedrick Thompson off waivers a little bit ago, but, you know, they took a while to get Ronnie Harrison, after they traded him into the mix, it was a topic on this podcast and then stories for a while that, you know, I wrote and talking to Harrison on the phone about it. And I just can't believe that the same coaching staff that took so much time easing Harrison in is going to throw Thompson in uh, over Redwine when Redwine has been with them all season, obviously has a training camp under his belt and not a normal off season, but a virtual off season under his belt with this coaching staff. So, you know, I know they claim Thompson, but I look, I, I view that more as depth. Now, Stefanski says he could play a significant role, but, you know, a lot of things can happen. He could be forced to do a lot, but I, I think that they would go with the guy in red wine who, who does have a lot more experience learning from this staff uh, than the guy who just got here a couple weeks ago. And red wine was called upon earlier this season and ended up having an interception. Like, as soon as he stepped on the field, remember he said he was talking to the ball and saying, come to me, and then it did. <laughs> Can't forget that one. So, right. That's I great. think it'll be red one. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I will be fascinated to see, you know, if Sandejo, as, as Thompson gets more acquainted in the defense like Harrison did, if we see the same kind of thing where Sandejo's snaps go down, Redwine snaps go down and slowly Thompson's snaps, you know, go up and up and up. Because I've always thought he's a pretty decent player. Um, just as a player himself, I, I think he's at least as good as Sheldrick Redwine is right now. So, yeah, I'm, I, I'm just I, looking at the, the timeline and how yep. the staff has treated other guys yep. who've been coming on late, you know, onto the roster. So the Browns really look like they're going to get Denzel Ward back. And as you mentioned, that that's a huge deal because he, even though you may not see Denzel Ward 
you know, making a ton of plays all the time. That's what happens with really good cornerbacks. They just, they don't get thrown at a ton when they do, he breaks up passes. So that, that's a, that's going to be a good, big deal for the Browns, but that's not really the only other injury update that they have. What, what can you tell us about some of the, the big names that are either kind of looking like they're going to be out or coming back because it, it kind of seems like, I don't know, the Austin Hooper one's a big deal, uh, stuff like that. So what's the, what's the latest on the injury report? Yeah, Hooper's back to practice after uh, the neck injury last week, kept him out the final two practices and then made him inactive for Monday night. Uh, Kadero Hodges missed the past two games. He's practicing today for the first time since that went down. I think that's a big one, Loki. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's been the number three receiver, and whenever he's been healthy now, he did miss games earlier in the season with a different hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you're getting your starting tight end, your number three receiver, and your number one cornerback back to practice today. Pretty significant, if, you know – the Browns are practicing in the field house, which is really why we're recording right now on Wednesday afternoon. I'm not in Berea. When they're in the field house, there's no viewing session for the media because of COVID protocols. Mm-hmm. We can't huddle up indoors and everything like that. So we're not getting to see this, but this is all coming from Stefanski. You got this information from him on Zoom earlier today. And Jedrick Wills is practicing Hurt an ankle, missed some snaps Monday night. Uh, so that's encouraging. Wyatt Teller is the one who's not practicing in addition to Sandejo. Sandejo, obviously not a surprise. Teller, a bit of a surprise. We knew he had an ankle injury and missed some snaps Monday night. Uh, Stefanski says he thinks it's unrelated to the calf injury that cost him three games earlier this season. But we all know what Wyatt Teller's meant to the Browns when he's been healthy. You know, the running game. Uh, impact has been huge. Uh, Chris Hubbard would start in his place if he can't go. Right. Yeah. And that, that is the one to watch in my opinion. So coming or going, Wyatt, Wyatt Teller is the one to keep an eye out on uh, because the, he, to me, when he's in there, he really dictates what the Browns can do on offense. And that that's going to matter a lot this week. They're going up against the New York Giants, who, as I mentioned tonight before we started recording, if we if we did the Browns Giants preview podcast eight weeks ago, this is a a layup, seemingly simple game for the Browns. I know no NFL game is a is a gimme, but uh, the Giants were terrible, and then they won four games in a row including a 17-12 to 12 win over the Seattle Seahawks. It looks like the Giants are mostly in position to go down to the last week or two of the season to win the terrible NFC East. But then they got destroyed by the Cardinals this past week. So now they are 5-8. and eight. They're a good defense, Nate. Um, they're not a good offense. There are questions about their quarterback, Daniel Jones, who uh, is injured. But honestly, Nate, I think the Giants are better with Colt McCoy at quarterback. So what's what's your big picture view of this game from the Browns? 
Well, it's a must win. I mean. Wow. Yeah, it is. I mean, you want to get in the playoffs. You can maybe get lucky, you know, and, and, you know, win 10 games and get in. But it's still a tight race. I mean, if if you look at the the playoff picture, Dan, you do a great job updating after after every game now uh, on our website. It's you know it's not comfortable. Um, <laughs> a lot of teams are bunched up, and I think the Browns really should get to eleven wins if they want to make this thing happen for this first time since two thousand two. And you know, I don't think that there'd be anything comfortable about having a must win uh, in the season finale against the Steelers. I know they've lost two in a row, but you know, they also won their first 11. They're the Steelers. (laughs) We know what they did earlier in the season to the Browns. The Browns are a different team. Now they proved that Monday night. They did not get pummeled by the Ravens like they did in the opener. And I think it would be a really good game against the Steelers. But yeah, if you want to, Ensure that you're punching your ticket to the postseason uh, as the Cleveland Browns. you got to win these back-to-back games at MetLife. Take care of business against the Giants and, and the winless Jets, and then you're going to be good to go. So I, I do. I, I mean, I think that they need to operate that way, backs against the wall. I mean, that's why I picked the Ravens on for the Monday night game. I thought this is going to be really tight. The Ravens are a more desperate team, though, and you know I I think the Browns need to have that sense of urgency. I think that they really do need to operate like this is a must-win because uh, you know it very well could be. Do you think that even-keeled everything is is kind of gray area? Kevin Stefanski will he? be able to kind of convey that sense of urgency to the Browns, because I agree that you have to win 11 games, whether it's sweeping the New York teams or winning one of the New York games and and beating the Steelers. You have to get to 11 games because losing to the Ravens meant you lost your your cushion. You know, the Ravens could win out and they'll have the tiebreaker over the Browns now. So can even keeled... Kevin Stefanski push that sense of urgency on on this team when they're nine and four. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think he can. He's 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 really uh, checked all the boxes so far in his messaging and getting this team to focus. And you know, I'm sure there's a fine line between hey, let's talk about what we need to do this week because playoffs and we need to go one and zero, but. He knows how to strike the balance and he's going to get these guys laser focused and locked in. I have no doubt that he's capable of it. He's just impressed every step of the way. So I, I don't have any concerns about him and his messaging. This team came out and they were ready to play against the Ravens and they fell behind and they came back and then they fell behind again and then they came back. And that's why it was one of the most dramatic, thrilling games like we talked about earlier. I mean, Baker Mayfield catching fire after that interception and leading three touchdown drives after that. I mean, he did his part and then some to make it an instant classic. So, 
yeah, they were ready to roll uh, on the biggest stage, Monday Night Football, against another playoff caliber team. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any letdown against the Jets with what's at stake, and I have full confidence in Stefanski at making sure these guys are ready and locked in. Mm. I I am too. I, I just think it's something to worth something worth watching, just because bad Browns teams in years past, once they went so far downhill, they just couldn't get up for games. It seemed like so now you know I. I think you'll see a, a step for this franchise if they do have that sense of urgency, despite being nine and four and having the the lead wild card spot in the AFC. If they come out in this game with a sense of urgency, to me, that shows another step that they've taken under Stefanski. The same way beating uh, good teams showed that step. The same way being super competitive. With the Ravens showed that step, so to me it's it's just another thing. If they can come out with a sense of urgency in this game, I think that I I don't know I, I might not be able to contain myself and my uh, love for Kevin Stefanski at that point. But um, he that hasn't made Nate. There, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's 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 one interesting thing with this game uh, to me that sticks out like a sore thumb, and that is. Jabril Peppers is on the Giants, as we know. He's not bad now. Like, when he was in Cleveland, I, I think he was not as good as everybody hoped, and he was a little misused, but now he's he's pretty good. He's a good all-around player. So that's a fun little wrinkle to this game, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I thought you might have said Freddie Kitchens. Well, there's, yeah, him too. I, I forgot. <laughs> it. Look, I'll be honest. I, I heard something this week. And people said, oh, yeah, Freddie Kitchens is the tight ends coach of the Giants. And I forgot completely that he was still in the NFL, to be honest. And I forgot since we started recording, obviously. So, yeah, Freddie Kitchens. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's that. There's Zeitler, right? There's Peppers. Uh, you know, the, the results of the Beckham and, and Vernon trades. So, yeah, it's very, very interesting. I, I think Peppers was was you know totally misused his rookie season i think he played a lot better his second season and uh, you know was kind of starting to to show glimpses and signs of the of the first round pick the browns i uh, hope you you know that the potential that they saw when they picked him there but yeah i don't know if you remember they had that, that really exciting thursday night game in, in 2018, uh, you know, Baker was playing well as a rookie, and Peppers had an amazing leaping interception in the end zone. And yep. maybe it wasn't a Thursday night game. It was a night game for sure. It might have been a Saturday night game because of the holiday. I think it was right before Christmas. It was a weird – something weird was going on. It was a night game for sure. I remember being up in the in a Denver hotel room at like 5 a.m. or something right in afterward. But – um, Peppers had that interception. Then he had the 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 sack to clinch the win. Um, and that that was kind of it all coming together for him finally as a member of the Browns. And then he got traded. But yeah, um, there's a lot of intrigue there. So yeah, I I, I don't know. There you know obviously if Colt McCoy starts, 
Uh, you mentioned him earlier. That'll be another blast from the past. Uh, <laughs> but, He's you know, really, I, I kind of I, I do think that to go back to your point about I do. I agree that, you know, a sense of urgency here for here will will show another step that this team's taken. I think that one that we already saw was, hey, you know, they played the Ravens uh, in this thrilling shootout and, you know, did show that they're a different team than they were in September 13th in that opener when they got embarrassed. But guys were not into the moral victory thing. They weren't into the progress. I mean, they were, they were uh, really devastated. The guys we got to talk to on Zoom after that Monday night game. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was a good sign. And, and, and that's part of the reason why I get the vibe that they are going to take this step and be dialed in and, and focused and, and have that sense of urgency against the Giants. Uh, you know, they're not talking playoffs publicly, but I just think that, that they're, they're well aware this is meaningful football in December. It's go time. They lost a heartbreaker. Uh, in prime time, but get a chance to bounce back in another prime time game after being flexed, and want to continue to show everybody that they're real. So, I, I really, I'm, I'm going to pick the Browns in this one. I, I feel pretty confident they're going to take care of business. I mean, they've beaten the teams that they've been that they've that you know they're supposed to be. I guess maybe with the exception of the Raiders, I think they might have been favored in that one by just a little bit, but. You know, they really have taken care of business. They were 6-0 and this season in games decided by six points or fewer heading into that Ravens game. And then they lost their first nail-biter under Stefanski. You're not going to win all of those, right? So their MO has been taking care of business, and that's obviously what they need to do again. Right. For this game, the Browns are opening as a three-and-a-half point favorite so there there's that uh to me that considering it's a road game that kind of makes it a, a push a little bit so that's interesting i think the browns win too i don't think this is a game where the browns need to score 42 points though and i think it would be a good thing for the browns if this was a big nick chubb game but that's going to be dependent on how well the Browns do against the, the Giants' defensive line. The Leonard Williams is, to me, kind of quietly, if you can be quiet in the New York Giants market, uh, one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL this year. So if, if they can kind of run against him, I, I think it's a pretty good Browns win. I'm going to throw a score out, Nate, just for the fun of it, because I don't think I've done that in a long time on our podcasts here. I'm going to go... 24 to 13 Browns and just a, just a rough tumble kind of victory, a little bit of the antithesis of what they did on offense Monday night, just a grind out tough, hard nosed prime time win for, for a team that Nate's right. It's a must win game. Nate, you got anything else for us this week before we head out of here? Well, I think, just that Nick Chubb I had 17 carries for 80 yards and two touchdowns, 4.8 average. And that's like subpar for him, which tells you what kind of player he is. 
Right. So I, I, but I do agree that, you know, hey, when the Browns fell behind 34 20, like with four, some four minutes and change left in the, in the third quarter, then you knew that they were going to have to start airing it out and, and Baker caught fire and it worked out. But I do agree that we're going to see it maybe a little bit of a throwback to <laughs> a few weeks ago uh, with the two headed monster and Chubb and Hunt. I think this is a game for that. I think so, too. I think it's going to be a fun game, and we'll see where the Browns are at going into the penultimate week of the NFL season against the Jets, another game in New York, which any other year I might have asked if that would be a distraction, but that that's really not now. So we'll get there when we do for now. Find all of our coverage of the Browns over at beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. There's a lot of it over there. There's going to be a ton coming this week from, from our team. They're, they're really cranking out great work. And then, of course, we'll have full game day coverage, which really kind of concludes with uh, our other podcast of the week, the the three and out that George Thomas does with with Nate, Marla Ridenauer, and Steve Dorschuk after each game even if they're recording it at one in the morning or whatever they did this past week. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for a lot of coverage. Again, beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. Follow Nate on Twitter. He's at by Nate Ulrich. That's going to do it for our cover two today. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time.